Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Radar, episode 53. My name is Anthony John Agnello. And this week on the show, we do a real deep dive into Battlefield 1. Dave Roberts has spent a week straight playing through the campaign and digging into the multiplayer, and we explore how EA has gone to some unusual places with their signature shooter series before moving on to some further discussion of Dragon Quest Builders, which has just come out in the past week, and talk about how nice it is to play a game that's about creativity, but giving you just the right amount of direction to really get into it. And then we go into a little bit of a discussion of what it takes to set up 14 video game consoles on a single television and close with an unusual discussion about the ethical quandaries raised by HBO's new show Westworld. Listen on. The ghetto law is the law that we live by. Every day I wonder why my shorty had to die. I reminisce about my ghetto princess. Every day I give it up for my shorty, shorty. Yeah. Strong. <laughs> That's late. The Lost Boys this week. Strong. Be Deep strong. cuts. Yeah. Nice. Deep cuts, everybody. Welcome to Radio Radar, episode 53. My name is Anthony John Agnello, senior social editor at the Radar of Games. And the whitest and guy out. you know, apparently. I am, nobody is more Caucasian than me. <laughs> I always think of the line from Space Jam. Mostly, I just, I'm always thinking about Space Jam. I'm never not thinking about Space Jam. I mean, it's a, it's a and, deeply affecting movie. I've never a deeply seen affecting Space film. Jam. Oh, Susan. What? It's a great, great film. Great it's... film. <laughs> great. On, great I, like, honestly, there's like the complete works of Truffaut. There's David Lynch. <laughs> Martin Scorsese. There's, and then there's Space Jam. Uh, yeah, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah. And come on and slam. Welcome to the jam. Welcome to the jam, the Space Jam. The Space Jam. Uh, there's a line in it where Bill Murray is, is talking to Michael Jordan. As Bill Murray. As Bill Murray. He's just being Bill Murray. And he's like, he he, he says, uh, no, like, I, 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 what do you mean I can't play basketball because I'm white? Uh, Larry Bird is white. And Michael Jordan says, Larry Bird isn't white, he's translucent. That's, and, <laughs> that's accurate. That's right. Like he's yeah. like, and that is, I think, like as, like the like. I am probably the whitest person of all time. No, sweetie, <laughs> honey, I am like. If we're talking just actual skin color, I mm. am closer to recently exhumed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I am you a sort of pale, pale girl. <laughs> who's you know the guy who plays the dad, uh, in Shaun of the Dead. The stepdad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and Bill then Nye. he's not he's like also... the scientist Bill Nye, but like yeah, Bill Nye, Nye, Nye Bill Nye. Yes. In in Underworld, you're him. You're Bill Nye <laughs> yes. in Underworld. Pale. That is yes. That is accurate. <laughs> wow. So that queen, that queen of paleness, you hear is executive editor Susan Arndt coming back to the show after a couple of weeks. Hi, yeah, Susan. Yeah, I missed you guys. I'm back. Yeah, it's it, well, it's been sort of a, a whirlwind tour. You you traveled a lot, yeah, and then you came back, and then you traveled a lot more. You were out <laughs> in San Francisco. That's true. Hanging hanging with Lucas and and the rest of the San Francisco crew. Indeed, indeed, I was, and it was really cool because I mean, we we pretty much everybody in the U.S. team of Games Radar all works remotely, so our opportunities to see each other in person are relatively few and far between, and it's always really cool to actually just be in the same room uh, with, with part of Team GR. So that was awesome. That rules. That rules. Uh, and Dave Roberts, 
who who hasn't skipped a beat but has also is is recovering we couldn't talk about this on the last episode yeah. but dave has has been through an ordeal he's been through the the trials uh of battlefield yes i have you been went... deep in the trenches of video game combat and monster energy drinks <laughs> uh. which are just Dave, nasty, you were... right like they're just they're nasty they're like oh, I, they're I drank them because oh, like okay so i was at a review event for battlefield one that's what we're talking about here and i I don't know, like, like when you're on the outside of the industry looking in, you see, like, review events, you're like, oh, that's cool, they, you know, you go to a place and you get to play this game for, like, 20 hours, then you actually do no, it, and you realize that it's just, like, it is the worst, it is the worst yeah. thing that a human being could do, is to sit down and play one game for 10 hours a day without moving, and mm-hmm. and guzzle energy drinks, and then get And up not, and- like, not in a place that's comfortable, like, you're yeah. not at home. It's one thing to like do, to review a game under those conditions in your own home. Yeah, and right. that is kind of nightmarish. Because I, I, you know, I can be slovenly. I can just wear pajamas and sit on my couch and 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 not have a PR person literally watching you play over your shoulder. Yeah, the end and, entire time. And if I need to come up for air, I can just like look over and hey, my wife and kid are over there, and we can go have lunch together. And it's it's like it's great, but this is like. Like, so, yeah, I drank several energy drinks, not because I wanted to, but because I needed to, and, uh, it, but it's... But because you, your, your, your pro-gamer's, yeah. uh, tank was dry. Right, and, and needed, I needed, I needed to, to fuel it. up, and, and so, and, it, like, that's interesting, because, like, yeah, they had Battlefield 1 branded Monster Energy drinks there, but the game is, like decidedly not that tone and like the more that i played it the more i was thinking like i wonder if the reason why they're growing up titanfall 2 so much is because they feel like they can't do that with battlefield 1 yeah man that's a really good call like it sounds so everything you've said about battlefield 1 i really want to like to sort of dig into this game because i've never found battlefield interesting from an aesthetic standpoint mm. like i find i find the the play culture that exists around battlefront interesting and that's the way i've tried to engage it like i didn't think Battle, of battlefield Battle, 1942. battlefield buddy. battlefield oh battlefield battle yeah. forgive me forgive forgive me like there's too many battle there's gonna, field, this is gonna, yeah there's field of battle dawn of war yeah <laughs> There's oh. Battlefield, there's Battlefront, there's there's Battlefard. There's there's Battleborn. There's Battleborn. Battle there's Beetleborgs. Baby there's, Born. That it's too it's Baby too many. Bjorn. <laughs> <laughs> there's Peter Bjorn and John. Yes. There's too many there's too many. Uh there's yeah, the Borg. I, there's... there's the Borg. The Borg. What yeah. I what when I've when I've approached Battlefield in the past, like I tried Battlefield nineteen forty two back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and immediately realized like why I don't play multiplayer games because okay. I was the asshole who immediately got in a plane <laughs> and then crashed it into my own team. I know what I'm doing, but yeah, I was like, oh wait, no, I'm exactly the person so... that they're always making fun of. But this one is is interesting from a heart perspective, yeah, from an aesthetic perspective. So like, so the last the last bat, like I played a lot of them over over the years but the last one that i really dug into was 1942 and that's because like a bunch of uh my friends and i like like back when 
land stores were a thing like you'd go and you'd pay an hourly rate to sit at a computer and play oh my god computer games yeah so like we would go do that because it was just it was the easiest way to get like 10 of our friends together um rather than like bringing computers and the copies of the game and all that stuff we would just go to these places and just play battlefield 1942 for hours and um just have like it it was great it was a great time and um since like over the years they they've kind of shifted more modern uh especially like with battlefield 3 4 and hardline and with that came like a different kind of scope like the maps were the the maps were big but um they were also more chaotic like the 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 increase to 64 players made things more chaotic and the overall quality of the weapons were are so they're so good that you just get mowed down instantly and mm. i find that like scaling everything back to world war one kind of makes that sense of scale more approachable again and it, like it also helps that the entire experience has this very like reverent tone to it um, like the the very first thing when you boot up the game, like you you get the you get the start. It's like press A to start, and then you're loaded into that prologue mission um, where uh, there's like videos of it on uh, going around on the internet where like you know it, you play as a member of the Helm Harf. Uh, the, I can't even talk. I'm so tired of <laughs> playing this game so long. The Helm uh, Harfers. The Helm Harfers. The Harlem Globetrotters. The Harlem Hellfighters. <laughs> um, with who was uh, an African-American uh, regiment during uh, World War One? who saw some of the most brutal combat uh, in the war uh, during, the, like, the last year or so. And um, the game has this splash screen where it, it shows, like, you know, 60 million people fought in the war to end all wars. It ended nothing. Like, that this war caused so much untold strife. We're still seeing the effects of this war today because of all the battle lines that were drawn, the different alliances that were created because of it, the different, like, the socioeconomic struggles of, like, like the reason why there's so much conflict in the Middle East is because Lawrence of Arabia went in and, like, united all the Arabs. And then when they came to England and France to get their... Um, you know, to, to get their rewards for, like, helping England win this fight, they're like, yeah, nah, we're not going to give you this land. And so, like, it created, like, all this untold strife and uh, aggression in the area, which has effectively led to the, the next hundred years of politics uh, and, 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 and into the future. Um, and so, like, it, it opens with that stuff, and you're playing as a soldier... And you're holding the front lines, and then you'll inevitably die, and then it shows your name and born and dead date like a gravestone. And then you respawn as another soldier in a different part of the battlefield. And it, like this one mission really kind of sets the tone for the whole package. Um, mm. And it's really incredible. And like unfortunately, the rest of the story missions, like while they get the tone right, like they they tell these really interesting. Uh, very personal stories at different parts of the uh, of the war. The the missions themselves aren't as interesting as the stories that they tell, um, but the tone is consistent, um, and they're they're like kind of uh, giving. It, it's all it's very surface level kind of view of history. It doesn't really dig into it as much as I would have liked because it's trying to cover so much ground in so little time. 
but um it's it's just it's really cool they get a lot of uh, like one mission you're you're like one set of the war stories you're uh, an american pilot who basically uh steals his way he, he he steals an airplane uh in a poker game and uh tricks his way into the british air force to fight for for the brits uh against germany so you do a bunch of like aerial missions and then um the the mission where you follow like you play as a bedouin warrior following around uh lawrence of arabia um it's much more stealth focused and you're like lots of big open sandy maps that you're sneaking around in trying to take out um guards without being seen um so there's a lot of variety there it's just um enemy ai is kind of stupid the it's a little buggy and it's just it's over way too fast like each of the missions are about 45 minutes it's interesting like the more you talk about battlefield one and the more footage of it i see i actually got to look at some of the game capture you did of the uh first campaign story yeah the first of the war stories yeah the 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 tank one right the through mud and blood yeah Yeah. it it, it's like it, it is valiant hearts yeah but ea'd up yeah it's like if you went ahead and just used the ea stick and just kept hitting valiant hearts with it battlefield one is what you'd get and like that sounds like a good thing like that's yeah it's like it, a really like, fun it, way it works to more... sort of approach the the history from the same place yeah and, and it works more often than not um it's it's more about like so the battlefield one doesn't go full-on historical accuracy like it's never been about being accurate it's about you know these like very chaotic uh, combat scenarios lots of people lots of explosions stuff blowing up around you buildings just crumbling to the ground because of mortar fire because of tanks because of all this stuff going on and um so like battlefield one also doesn't go like full history It, it, it it's more using that history as a backdrop to set the tone for the game um it 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 does like the weapons are crappier they the like a lot of the rifles don't have genuine scopes like the sniper rifle is like one of the only ones that actually has like a legit aiming scope the re- a lot of them are just iron sights that you look down and that uh by lessening the accuracy a bit it makes the game uh a little bit more uh, or a little less of a meat grinder just because it, it's it's harder to hit people, so it ge- I think it gives players more of a fighting chance. Uh, so the, it's a little bit more accurate to the period in that sense. But again, like it's still a lot of the stuff from World War One was basically like, okay, so we have horses and we have like the beginnings of industry, right? We still use carrier pigeons to send messages to people. Like that's how dawn of the century this tech is. But they're still like they're they're basically discovering new ways to make these weapons and then just sending them out as fast as they can. So the the weapons and stuff of that era, like tanks were basically they're not they weren't useless, but they were more of like a scare tactic than they were a reliable source of artillery. Uh, same thing with a lot of the automatic weapons and uh, like like you you could punch through a tank pretty easily. Uh, in that time whereas so battlefield one is kind of taking that sort of stuff and then going like okay well if we if we really made a world war one game you would spend 90 percent of it 
you wandering a trench and dying of influenza. Like, yeah, you dig a trench and then you'd write a letter home to uh, Anthony Hopkins in his bearskin coat. Right. Who's worried about his sons who have gone off to war and you'd be worrying about Cousin Matthew. <laughs> uh, or we have a lot of crossover in our audience with... with Downton Abbey fans, right, Susan? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the Venn like, diagram is just a single circle. It's just a single <laughs> circle. Everybody knows what I'm talking about with Ke- Cousin Matthew. Cousin uh, Matthew DLC coming uh, from yeah. Battlefield 1 <laughs> later this fall. It's in the season pass. Yeah. You get the Cousin Matthew skin. Interestingly, <laughs> um, the main character of the, the fighter pilot... Uh, uh, war story looks like like spitting image of Ray Fiennes, like really not an accident. I feel fairly certain. Yeah, yeah. like he he looks like straight out of the English Patient. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, like like it's it's just wait, it's, wait 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 a second. That guy's name is freaking Ralph. Okay, is it Ralph? It's, my my wife. I don't know Rafe. It's, yeah. it's I don't know who he's trying to fool with this Rafe <laughs> thing. Your name is Ralph, sir. I have seen it. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell, tell the man in... who's called himself that for years that he's wrong. Uh, any anybody that appeared in in the uh, the nineteen ninety seven the Avengers movie. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm I'm gonna stop you there. Okay, there is admittedly a lot wrong with that movie. It is by no stretch of the imagination good or watchable but it does get the spirit of the avengers tv show completely correct yeah the tone tone, like the weirdo tone the heart and soul all of those things are 100 percent right it's just and uma thurman's terribly uma thurman is as out of control hot as 60s emma peel was yeah but her accent was so bad Oh, it's really bad. It's it's really bad. It's It's real. It's it's, Kevin. It's worse than Kevin Costner in Prince of Thieves. It is actually. Yeah, it it is. Yeah. The worst. Anyway, that is Ralph Fiennes in that movie. (laughs) The only the the guy you're allowed to do that with, uh, Anthony, is is the word GIF because I don't care what the creator says. It's pronounced GIF, not JIF. That's the only time that's allowed. The man's name is Ray. Is a brand. Wait, wait, wait. Isn't the G for graphic? Yeah. So yeah. therefore, GIF. But he says yeah. it's GIF. Well, he's he says wrong. it's GIF. Yeah, he's exactly. <laughs> the creator is wrong. Uh, and sometimes, right. sometimes it's the George Lucas principle. The creator is not always right about what they're what they've made. I mean, like, did we did we not all watch Star Trek the Motion Picture? Come on. Exactly. The creator exactly. has flaws. Yes. Yeah, the creator has flaws. Yeah. That's V'ger wisdom, everybody, and everybody <laughs> knows that V'ger says. It's pronounced Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> so it's... Uh, we have Ralph... Where, where were yeah. we? <laughs> we were talking about how well, Ralph you, you Fiennes saying, is um, in... every other word. That's right. Yeah. And... Ralph, Ralph Fiennes Ralph is Fiennes in is Battlefield 1. Yes. Yeah, in Battlefield 1. Yes. But so is it canonical with Harry Potter? <laughs> yes. But you're saying, you were saying that um, the multiplayer is... Even though the, the single-player tone is more reverent as is yes. kind of a pro- see this is the thing like world war Two, very easy to be all rah-rah about because it's very yeah. good there's very clear good guys and bad guys right world war one yeah it's a little harder and i do wish that battlefield one explored the other side a little more than it does like you don't play as the germans or but the... it ain't that kind of game but, right 
but the uh, the multiplayer actually works some of that uh, sense of history and tone into its modes, which is which I thought was really cool. So the new mode in Battlefield One is called Operations, and what it does. If you haven't played Conquest before, basically it is a large, uh, the largest maps that Battlefield 1 has, and it's a series of uh, five different sectors. And the attackers start on the very left, and then they have to push forward as much as they can by capturing these flags and holding them. Once they hold them, they push the line forward. And the objective for the attackers is to take the whole map. Defenders are trying to stop them. And that's, uh, that's typically how Conquest goes. What uh, Operations do is they take, I believe it's three Conquest maps and string them together back to back. And the attackers have four attempts to take all three maps while the defenders are trying to stop them. And each time the, def the attackers are defeated, uh, a behemoth is summoned. And then, so that's like a zeppelin or a battleship or an armored train that enters the map and just has these really big cannons and is they're slow to maneuver but they're very powerful and if you know how to use them they can be very effective to uh, breaking defensive lines that sort of thing and so the attackers uh, their sort of their their status throughout the battle carries forward so if it takes you uh, one round to get to push through the front lines to take a map and that carries over to the next map. So defenders then have three more attempts to try to stop them. Uh, matches can easily take over an hour in these modes. It's just, that it sounds, is, that sounds way like, yeah, I guess, I guess it's just a kind of thing that I, I, I'm not into. Yeah. It's an that investment. To me is like, I, I will never play that. I will right. never, I will never do that. Yeah, it's it's definitely investment, and especially you know people like us, Anthony, who have kids, to set aside an hour uh, for a single match. It's it's why I don't really play Dota, but yeah. um, like it does have the smaller modes there too, to for for players who don't have that hour. But I, it's it's a nice addition because it makes the battles feel even more. Uh, more massive in scale than they've ever felt. And they feel like these interconnected battles, like you're part of an actual operation. And each of the operations are actually framed uh, after actual battles that took place in World War One. So when you load up the map, you get a little history lesson, and you see the little diagrams of, of the, the different defensive lines, the attacking, where, where they're pushing along these regions, and the narrator sort of gives you the... Uh, the idea behind these these uh, operations and why uh, say the Germans are attacking or why the Allies are attacking and then when the match loads you get these little little diaries or these little uh, narrations by uh, soldiers explaining sort of their own personal reasons for for going to war or why they need to hold on to this particular point or why. I find it like, don't you think like it's it's surprising to hear that EA is or Dice and EA are going that route? Yeah, with the multiplayer stuff of like trying to put in all of these little narrative elements to make that seem like a richer world. It just yeah, it, it's it's I, it's really it's, cool. I, I'm curious about like what. And I'm not. I'm not trying to say that there isn't, you know, true artistic thought behind the Battlefield series. I know that Dice comes to this thing, you know, from a place of heart. But 
it, it's one of those series that is very calculated in its pe- presentation. Yeah. And like I sit there and I think to myself, what in Electronic Arts' data says to them that the Battlefield audience is interested in that sort of thing? You know? Yeah. Uh, I, because and like, you have what, to... are, what what have been the big stories around Battlefield for the past five years? You know, the oh. big stories around Battlefield have been Oh, the online in 3 is irreparably broken. Right. The online in 4 is irreparably broken. And then, when they finally release a Battlefield that isn't irreparably broken, it's Battlefield Hardline in a year where not a week goes by without a major story of police brutality. Right. And here's a game that's like, rah, rah, you're the police, go shoot people. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy to see this as the the sort of pivot there susan would you would you ever like seek this game out is this the kind of thing you have such limited time to play games on your console is this the kind of thing that you would take time to play this fall uh me no but because i don't play shooters that reflect real the real world at all they don't appeal to me I don't like I I don't want to take any part in World War Two, World War One, none of the Call of Duties. That although Call of Duty, what, now that that it's in space, I'm yeah, kind of exactly. into it. Jetpacks, robots, right? Like Call of Duty X Wings, basically. That is <laughs> that is more my jam. I do find the narrative elements that they're adding to Battlefield One or have added, I should say, very very interesting because I mean World War Two. We oh my God, we know the story. Yeah. <laughs> we know, you might not know every individual battle in World War II, but you know the broad brush strokes. You know who the good guys are. You know who the bad guys are. You know about the, because there's there's still folks who were in that war. They can still talk about it. World War One, you might know about mustard gas and trench warfare, but uh, you made a joke about Downton Abbey, but Downton Abbey was my first exposure to what, day-to-day operations in that war were actually like oh yeah uh yeah i'm i'm not uh, it's it's not you're not into it uh, yeah it's, it's not a thing it's not that i'm not into it but uh my schools did, did we we got to like <laughs> yeah. we would start at the same point in american history yeah. every right. year yeah. and so by the yeah. end of school we had gotten to like maybe the 1800s. So, yeah. Well, yeah. and like, and, and and because America didn't really have a huge part to play in World War One, right, especially right. compared to World War Two, it doesn't get taught. It's more like a footnote in our history books. Right. Whereas Europe, it's something that they like. They were in it, and they lived through that, and they right. still feel its effects, like, even more so than perhaps World War Two. I think, uh, in a lot of ways. So yeah, so like uh, that's that's a to see a game like this come from a publisher like EA exposing a large audience to a section of history that is largely ignored, especially in America. Um, I think that's that's baller, man. Yeah, super, super. Um, so. Yeah, and the fact that they're actually working, um, e- even as surface level as the history is uh, in this game, because there are so many things that I I, I wish that the story did, uh, or at least like just dug into a little bit more. Uh, the even as surface level as Battlefield One is, I think there's enough of it there that it, it, it's 
it, it feels like more than just like, oh, hey, so like Dave Defeat. Oh, it's just 1940s wartime multiplayer shoot people go. You have tanks. Bold action <laughs> You have tanks. Um, like, like by adding that little bit, that little bit of context, it elevates the entire experience right. way more. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was, that I thought I was going to. I mean, it's still Battlefield. You know, you're still flying through the air in airplanes and crashing because you don't know how to fly. Uh, uh, but it, 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 by embracing that era, I think it, it serves it a lot more than, than the modern stuff. Especially because it can dodge a lot of the politic like current politics you know what i mean like a battlefield hardline oh jesus just drop the ball and like i think that by going back to world war one like world war one is rife with politics but because they're over a century old i think it's a little easier for them to look at that stuff and paint it in broader strokes man Um, i wish i wish you could buy and like this is a, a thing that a lot of people say about everything ea makes whether it's Battlefield or Madden or FIFA, I wish that I could just buy the single player. Right. Like I wish, I wish I could spend twenty dollars and buy the single mm-hmm. player campaign, yeah. independent from everything else, because I would love to play that. Yeah. Be- but I, I don't want to pay sixty dollars for for what is what it? is essentially this package of different games. Is it? Is yeah. it? How long is the the single player? Would you say? So, uh, I I want to say that I finished it in about five to six hours. Sounds so the right. long the longest one is the first mission that takes about an hour and a half to two hours to get through. Okay. Um, especially because uh, the first time I played it, you know, you're still acclimating controls. That's oh sure, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but all of the other ones are shorter than that, okay. and they took me about thirty to forty five minutes, depending on how oh, often wow. I died. Yeah, how often I died, or yeah. Like, one of them is only two missions long. One of the chapters is only two missions. Most of them are three to four. It is the sort Um, of thing, though, by doing it in that format, it it lends itself nicely to DLC. Yeah. Because there are so many more stories, and if it is those those nice bite-size type encounters, that's a nice little... You could could do a nice little $5 DLC package for more of those. Yeah. Well, they're doing that in December. It's the Ralph Fiennes package. Oh, my God. You get the Ralph Let Fiennes. <laughs> but isn't that just multiplayer, though? Because I was looking at the season pass stuff, and it seemed like it was all just multiplayer maps I'm, and I'm modes. I'm sure it and... will be. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I mean, yeah, plus it, it also, that, like, that, that structure also lends itself well to them exploring all kinds of different scenarios without having to shoehorn everything into one story you're like oh now you're in an airplane now you're over here in the desert one guy in the war okay that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) um but you know on the other hand that also means that you know forest gump of right hey he just (laughs) happened to be everywhere yeah um but on the other hand that does mean that they don't get a chance to explore each scenario as much as i think does it like like you you could make an entire game based off of lawrence of the arabia's like te lawrence's exploits and you know it's kind of weird they haven't yeah, it quite is honestly, I would play. I would play that. I'd that play the living awesome. hell. Now, yeah. see that, I would play the living hell out of. I would yeah. play the living hell out of that. I think that would be freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I hope, and I hope that maybe the success of this game makes other developers see that they can make that game because mm, I would yeah. play that game too. Uh, yeah. 
and you know that that they can make that game and still make it palatable to a white audience rather than just sort of smaller independent developers making right. very overly realistic sort of shooters that appeal to a very niche audience. Like Verdun is one of the more popular ones, but even that is still a very uh, has a very limited audience compared to something like Battlefield. Okay, so every time Verdun comes up, which it does often because it's an excellent game. All I can think of is Edge of Tomorrow. Yes. (laughs) Every single time. You're not alone. You mean live, die, repeat? Repeat, colon, slash. The the killer film, live. Honestly. A a film so nice they named it twice. (laughs) Does anybody know, like, has, has anyone read an actual explanation of why studios are doing that now? Where it's like, oh, that flopped really hard, so let's call it something else and or like see the if new that Go- works. The new Ghostbusters Yeah, Ghostbusters movie. is now called Ghostbusters Answer the Call. That oh one, that, okay. So the Ghostbusters one, which I don't understand why they did, I mean, then again, maybe this was part, the, the plan the entire time, is so, because the origin, they don't want to create confusion with the first one, because right. people still buy it. People still, you know, yeah. it's, it's still a viable product. So that's why that is. And in, in the case of Edge of Tomorrow, it is straight up, okay, this this did not attract attention when we released it, which I don't understand because that movie is awesome. It's so good. It's, it's so, good. so good. So good. Well, no, you want to know what I think happened there, Susan, and I firmly believe this, that the previews were cut in a way where it looked so similar to Oblivion which was the Uh, shitty Tom Cruise sci-fi movie. Like, that was only a year before that. That's true. Right? Like, Edge Edge of Tomorrow is a comedy. Like, I mean, it's it's a black comedy. It's not a comedy, but it it certainly is, it has moments of levity. Right. By the way, this is true. So the first shooting script that they had for Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise was, like, the big champion of wanting to do this movie in the first place. Mm -hmm. He was actually a producer on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And all of the humor and stuff was his idea. I believe that. He was, he was like, this isn't funny enough. People aren't going to connect with it enough. Right. Which is really cool. Like, good for him. Yeah. So yeah. kind of, like, I, I, I feel like that guy gets a, a bad rap as sort of being a creative vacuum. But oh, yeah, considering no, how... Yeah, no, he's just a horrible person. Right, <laughs> exactly. craft, he's right. excellent. Right. And, like, it's not like he's Ralph Fiennes oh trying my to God, pull let something it go. with his name. Let, <laughs> let it go. Trying to pull some bullshit with his name. Although, uh, speaking of, he's also a very funny man. Yeah, Ralph Fiennes is hilarious. Did you say Ralph? Ralph? Ralph. King Ralph King Fiennes. Ralph. He's, he's the best part of uh, Hail Caesar, which is a weird yes. movie. I need to see that movie. Oh, uh, it, it's Although not... It's, it's, yeah. it's the Coen brothers, though, and I don't like their stuff. It's not... It's Great. it's very off-putting. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that it, is a really good way to put it. It's intentionally off-putting. off-putting. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll skip but, that then. Like in, in, Ralph, in a way Ralph that the Coen brothers can only do. And hmm. that's it. I'm out. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so Susan, you have in your in your travels yes. been enjoying a game that we've discussed on this show before. Yes. But now you've spent a lot more time in there. Dave reviewed it, and I am playing it now. You are neck deep in Dragon Quest Builders. I am. Yes. Yes. I and am. Uh, man, I, I you after the demo came out, you were already saying like you've got to play this, you've got to try it, you've got to check it out. 
And you were so right. You, it's it's so lovely. It, it is. is a very effervescent game. It is. What I what I really love about it is that it's very low pressure. You know, it's just a, a fun place to just chill and enjoy and there's no there's no stress there's no aggravation it's it's just a really cool thing and for me what i'm really enjoying the most so obviously uh, minecraft is huge and i and intellectually i understand why minecraft is huge but be, i find it very overwhelming because if you give hmm. me a bunch of creative abilities like give me paints and a canvas or give me legos the fact that i can do anything is so overwhelming to me that I end up not being able to do anything. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know, like, what's a good idea? I don't know. Ah. So what I really enjoy about Dragon Quest Builders is it gives you just enough structure, just enough of a nudge to allow you to sort of have a, a direction for your creativity that you can build off of. Like, for example, you receive points depending on the stuff you put in your town. Uh, if, if your buildings are made of dirt, you don't get any points. But if they're made of stone, then you get some points. And the, the nice little aesthetic things you do make your base more valuable. And your points go up. And so you'll be, uh, they'll say, okay, you can do whatever you want, but you have to get enough points to raise it up to level four. Hmm. Like, okay, well then I have, that, that, that gives me the guide of, I have to do something that is that has value. So I start looking through all my stuff. Like, well, gosh, this bathtub is worth 500 points. I'll make a bathroom. Well, gosh, a bathroom has to have a tile floor. Can I make tile? No. Wait, I know. The castle had a tile floor. I'll go get the tile from the castle. And it allows me to exercise my creativity that way. Whereas if you just, like, let me loose, said, here you go. Here's all the various stuff you could use. I'd be like, uh. Uh, yeah. Well, and the other cool thing that I really like about it too is that you're rewarded for that creativity too. So it's and like and not just in the point values of the the level of your town. So you put that bathroom together, you suddenly discover, oh, a bathroom is actually a room that this game recognizes. Right. And then, it, in addition to giving you a point bonus, those rooms also give bonuses to your uh, to the people in your town. Right. So. Because in the first village, I was building a room, and I was like, oh, I have an insign. Well, what if I build a bunch of beds, and I put the insign in here, maybe put a fireplace, put stuff, and it's like, oh, you have a rudimentary inn now. And in addition to just being a place where my villagers can sleep, it's uh, it also says, your villagers get plus 10% HP. I was like, oh, that's cool. I wonder what else I can do. And yeah, yeah. The, the game is filled with lots of cool stuff to reward you for working within its constraints to create something new that's yours. I accidentally discovered a master bedroom simply because I was putting all the best shit into my room because fuck you townspeople. (laughs) I only have one really nice chair, so I get it. And so it just it just happened that all the the nice stuff I ended up putting in my bedroom made it a master bedroom. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and and man, uh, making a I, I, garden like, and just all sorts of stuff. Like, what happens if I try to build a cactus? You can build cactuses. <laughs> <laughs> 
Susan, Dave sort of walked me through how this stuff amps up. I'm still in the first chapter. Okay. And and I think I've played, I, I guess after our stream yesterday, I, I've played about four, four and a half hours total. Okay. And I only have three townspeople still. Mm-hmm. And all of my buildings, like, I have a deep sense of pride when I finish a new building, but they're dirt holes. I have dirt hole buildings. And I didn't even know that you could make specific things like a bathroom. And I was, like, joking around where it's like, oh, man, we don't have anywhere to go to the bathroom in town. So I just made, like, a four by four hut with a pot in it. And the game, the game was like, you made an empty room. And it's like, that is not what that is, game. That is, that is a lavatory. Thank you. But, like, I, it's it's hard for me to see at this point mm-hmm. how I'm going to go from making dirt holes to making, like, inns and palaces okay. and stuff like that. So what happens, the, the, the way the first chapter is structured, you, are, you do quests for townspeople. That teaches you how to make things. Mm-hmm. You'll learn how to make a uh, forge, for example. Once you can make a forge... Then you can make stuff with metal. When you find, there's portals to three different areas that you will eventually find. Each new area has new stuff, new materials. The second area has coal and iron and copper. These are things you can use to make really nice stuff. And, you know, the, the third area has explosives and stuff like that. So the second area has sand, which you can make glass. So you can make a window. That kind of thing. Each discovery you make and recipe you make uh, a discover leads to something else. You have to know the basics before you can build them up to knowing something else. If you know how, once you get, for example, stone walls, which you can get either by learning how to make them or just finding them, then you get the ability, for example, to make stone cladding, which is really great because instead of having to knock down all your, your earth walls and replace them with stone, it just it just changes them. It's magic. You just walked mm. up to it and use a stone cladding. Poof! It changes all awesome. your dirt to stone, so you don't have to rebuild oh. everything. Thank frickin' God. Yeah, I didn't that, know that. that. That's all. I, I have. Know, I, yeah, I have like that go. sort of changes my entire <laughs> perspective on this. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Wow. That's that's way more simple than I even expected it to be. Yeah. It's. Are you still great. fighting? Are you still fighting a lot of things? Like, does it still do? Because something that I like in the first chapter, because it, I I heard that combat was still a, a significant part of the game, and I sort of like how light and yeah. almost like like dummy Zelda it is, where it's just like hit a thing in the face repeatedly with whatever you got. Right. I like that. Right. Exactly. Uh, you, con- um, you continue to have to do that. You do, and it actually gets uh, it ramps up the further you go through the chapter. The whole the story of the chapter is you're rebuilding this town, this town which was destroyed by the very golem that was supposed to protect it. And as you build up the town, you start attracting the golem's attention until it finally comes for you. Okay. So more and more monsters attack the further you get into the chapter. And if you're up in the middle of the night, these really annoying little wizard things... It's just shoot yeah, you F constantly. It's, F those guys. It's F those guys. Seriously. It's so yeah. aggravating. 
But no, it never gets more complicated than Dummy Zelda. You Stronger enemies require stronger weapons, which you will be able to make by discovering stuff like iron and copper and coal and, and whatnot. Uh, it's the it's very simplistic. Yeah. It, it's um, never going to stress you out too much. It's it's more of just an annoyance. The mm. the later enemies do the, like they have more hit points, so right. they take a little longer to bring down, which is kind of a bummer because the combat is is so basic that it's yeah. really nothing more than just move out of the way, walk in, smack a few times, move out of the way, yeah. um, and there are enemies that can poison you and there are enemies that can paralyze you which basically oh, I means that, yeah they're, they're a little later in the game that okay. will uh enemies and there's also there are these plants that if you walk into them you, they inflict you with uh paralysis where as you're just kind of randomly walking or when you try to attack it just goes nope you can't move uh <sighs> that only lasts for a few seconds and you can craft things to cure it um so and th those things are that's the thing like the combat is never obnoxious enough to really detract from your enjoyment uh, mm. at at worst it's it's a mild nuisance mm. yeah and, that's, uh, that's yeah it. yeah uh because the real core here was that the combat was the one thing that was really making me think like is this a 3.5 or 4 and the building is good enough and the combat is so uh like it, it's so zero stakes because when right. you die you just drop a bunch of your stuff you can go back and pick it yeah, up exactly, it's no, yeah exactly no big deal yeah. uh so it's just it, it's like oh god damn it now i gotta walk all the way back over there <laughs> yeah but yeah it's it, it it's 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 just enough to make you go to think a little bit but not enough to make you worry about it and that's kind of how most of the game operates because like you have to eat to regain stamina but at a certain point you'll build a, a, a fire pit where people just cook food for you and you just mm -hmm. go and you take all the food and you eat it and you're like, okay, I'm fine now. Um, which is cool. Give, give me all your damn food. All your roasted Sit. mushrooms. Give me all the damn mushrooms, Pippa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave, remind me, you've made it to the last chapter or the second to last chapter? The last chapter, yeah. The last chapter. How many chapters and are there? Four? Four. Four, okay. Yeah. And that's that puts it at like 32, 40 hours. Yeah, if you're if you are just sort of uh, interacting with the base level of content, not really exploring the the side stuff, or uh, there are also challenges. You can yeah. complete them while you can complete them while you're playing, but they'll only reveal themselves to you after you finish a chapter. But yeah, these challenges. Uh, yeah, like you find you out. To, so you'll so you'll uh, be exploring. And you'll run into a little hammer hood who's like, you know, I would really like to restore my graveyard, but I don't know how to make headstones. So there, hmm. there's a dude over in this other place who knows how. If you happen to run into him, could you find out for me? Hmm. So you know that somewhere in the desert is a dude who knows how to make gravestones. If you find him and learn how and restore the, grave, the graveyard for this little hammer hood, that's one of the challenges. Hmm. So there's stuff cool. like that. that. And now that's why, like, I finished the chapter and then I found out, wait a minute, there's three dragons? I only, knew, yeah. I only thought there was one. Son of a bitch. Uh, Susan, you're playing it on the Vita. I am, yes. And I, so 
we talked about this a little bit on the stream yesterday. Dave played it on PS4. I'm playing it on PS4. A lot of the Square Enix games that have been released on both PlayStation 4 and PS Vita have had some trouble on the Vita. Uh, I Am Setsuna like, suffered from really, really bad load times. Oh, wow. Uh, how's it run? Oh, beautifully. Beautifully. Absolutely oh, beautiful. that's awesome. Yeah. It, no, it runs fantastic. You, you, I, I, the music is great. It, the frame rate is great. The loading is perfectly normal. The only issue I have with it, and this is, this may just be a personal thing. The way the camera works, when I'm playing on the Vita, I want to move the camera with the left and right shoulder buttons. Yeah. That is not how this works. When you're placing blocks, left and right raises the block up or below, uh, straight ahead of you, which is very useful when you're constructing your houses or trying to fill in a floor or what have you. So you move the camera with the right stick. And on the Vita, that just feels wonky to me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. But... Uh, that is, you know, I, I, it's a shame that you can't customize that. Yeah, it's not ideal, but it's certainly not anything that would that would make me say don't play this. I'm it, it's yeah. the ability to take this with you for me. Uh, I think supersedes any of the minor issues I have with it. Yeah, it's like I, I it's also man. Anybody who's thinking about getting this and likes getting PlayStation Four and Vita games, this is one of those ones where there is no cross buy, and know that before you pick yeah. which one you want to get no cross uh, and i don't think i don't even think there's cross save either there i think I, there oh there's no cross save no oh son of a bitch oh did you think you were going to be able to yes oh no yeah oh i'm glad that i haven't purchased the the vita version then because I thought, I thought you would totally get cross-save. No. Oh, man, never mind. Yeah. Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, was I like, already started. You told me you were planning on getting the Vita version. I'm like, are you really going to start all over? Okay. Yeah. Although you're only four already... hours into it, so. Yeah, but I already have my town full of dirt holes. <laughs> and lo- and, and They're my dirt holes. I, I built my own restroom. And I, I was going to go in. <laughs> so one of, one of the first missions... Is uh, Pippa is is like in a town of fo- like four people. Pippa is the only woman, and she actually comes to you. One of the early quests is like you, uh, you know, make me a like like house that's just for me, and you get signs that are like this is like a ladies only room or a dudes only room. So I'm going to see if I can make a trans friendly bathroom. In, in Dragon Quest Builders and put a women's sign and a men's sign in the same room and see if it'll let me do it. Well, here's the thing. I don't think, don't think too hard because my room, master bedroom, for me, and there's people in it all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I'd like to go to sleep. You're just wandering I'm like, in. I, you know, I'd like to go to sleep now. They're like, that's fine. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just sitting here reading a book. It's like, Jesus. There's this one you- guy... He is outside my bedroom door. Okay, admittedly, he's like a guard. So I guess he thinks he's protecting me. But it's every night. This dude is outside my room. I'm like, you need to go home. (laughs) Not appropriate. Stop white knighting me, dog. Get out of here. Look, I got a sword. I got a war hammer. I got full metal plate. I'm good. (laughs) Don't need you. 
Uh, I, I do love how no one needs a ceiling. Yeah. yeah no one needs a ceiling. Chunks, man. Ceilings, please. Um, which uh, is probably I, I, for the best because if you try to go, like, if you try to build a ceiling, the camera oh gets God. real weird. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very problematic. I am still knee deep in Dragon Quest Seven uh, on 3DS, and I, I know, Susie, you've given up the ghost, yes, right? I have. You stopped chasing yep. that dream. So I finally unlocked the job system, and my time was 19 hours 47 so. minutes. <laughs> You know, like a good video game. Yeah. Like a good video game. It's awesome. Oh, nice. you know what I'm doing? It. And it's just, this is Staff Roberts' fault. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I am playing through Picross 2 again on hard <laughs> and perfect. I am redoing every single puzzle on hard and perfect. Zero like mistakes. mescaline, it's the only way to fly. Yeah, jerk. It's the only way to... <laughs> jerk. You're welcome. Oh, such a jerk. He's like, he, he kept talking about it so much, I was like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just do the easy puzzles on hard, because that'll just be... Because the thing about Picross, it starts off extremely simple, and then it gets harder as it goes. And yeah. it, much like Catherine, you, you, you struggle at first, and then when you go back and do those original puzzles, you're like, oh, God, this is... Yeah. Whatever. This is like baby puzzle. Who cares? <laughs> so I was like, oh, you know, that's what I'll do. I'll go back and redo this. And now, of course, I have to do the well, whole thing that hard. way. I'll get like nine minutes into a puzzle and I'll make a stupid mistake because I choose the wrong yep. color or something. It's like, God damn it. Now I got to. This is me on yep. the airplane back from San Francisco. I'm doing a puzzle. I'm, you know, 10 minutes into it, I make a mistake and I'm yelling, God damn it. And I'm, people are looking at me <laughs> like, hey. Hey. hey, how you doing? What's up? Welcome, welcome. You've arrived. <laughs> this is the true Picross. <laughs> this is the true Picross experience right here. Yes, it's the only way to play that game. You have to get perfect, or you start over, no matter the cost. Yeah, it's just you can have four pieces left. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You can spend twenty-five minutes on a puzzle and hit the wrong one. Yep, and just half hour of your life is just gone yep gone forever yep game of the year shark <laughs> i will i i man i'm petrified of trying picross it's, it's really the best good, man. It's, I, it's really good yeah it's it's always so good but it's the kind of puzzle game that i get so angry at really that i like i yeah it's for my own mental health i think i need to avoid playing it okay it's have you guys have you guys ever played Pushmo? Yeah. No, I have not. Oh, oh those games are good too. Those games are great, and like Pushmo kind of is the ultimate bridge between Catherine and Picross. Interesting. Yeah, because you you're this little pudgy sumo wrestler stuffed animal dude, and the entire stage is there's a design that you're trying to create by pushing out and pulling blocks and climbing the blocks as you go. Interesting. Yeah. So they they've made two or three actually. They made there's, well they, there's Pushmo, there's Crashmo, Crashmo and then there's Wii U Pushmo. Pu- Pushmo World. Pushmo. World. No, there's yeah. another one there's Stretchmo. Oh, there's Stretchmo. There's four. Oh, God, there's so there's many. There's four of those amazing. games. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it it like that is the description. Like so you'll have like a design where it's like here's a bouquet of flowers. Now you need to figure out how to push and pull all of these different colored blocks 
to make the design while scaling this tower of blocks. Hmm. And I love it in like, like Picross, I love it for a few levels and then I get to the medium levels and I feel like this really deep satisfaction for solving the medium levels. And then I get to the hard levels and I see that I'm at like 75% completion and my brain hurts so much <laughs> trying to do it that I'm like, God, screw you, game! And then I have to like go play Mega Man or something else well, that I'm really good at. To, the like, the nice that. thing about Picross 3D2 is that you can choose your individual difficulty for the overall difficulty of the puzzles. So some puzzles are more complex and larger than others, but you can also change the difficulty of the numbers on those puzzles. So on easy, even the really hard ones are going to be really easy. And then you can bump that up to hard, but what that does is the harder it is, the be the more points you get for completing it, and that allows you to unlock puzzles faster. So like you might hit a wall at some point where you'll have to bump it up to normal, but Picross 3D uh, 2 lets you customize that experience pretty well. And you so. will unlock everything yeah. playing through on, on normal and easy. You will. It will take you a little longer. But, you, I mean, if you're just working your way through in order, then you'll unlock everything anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're playing it wrong, but you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you've come around, Susan. No, you're a jerk, and I hate you forever. <laughs> so, uh, we, a couple of weeks ago, the last time the three of us were on the show together, we had a, a long discussion. Speaking of Dave Roberts doing horrible things to people's brains <laughs> on Saturday, uh, Dave had put in my head the idea of getting a 4K TV, mm. and then further research. If anybody's curious about this, go back to episode 51 and listen to our, our sort of extended discussion uh, on 4K televisions and the nature of playing 4K games and HDR games on 4K televisions with the Xbox One S and the PlayStation 4 Pro. Because, the, the in short, go listen to that episode if you want the... the Full version of this but the short version is this maybe wait a while uh if you don't have a playstation 4 or an xbox one then the new models are kind of really awesome to get but 4k gaming is not arrived yet because 4k televisions have not arrived yet and i bring this back up because a listener from the show uh wrote in with a really interesting perspective he actually uh, does a lot of shooting of television shows and wanted to weigh in on how, you know, not that much 4K content of any kind, not just games, not that much 4K content across the board is being made. And our listener says, there is very little 4K content being produced right now. The funny thing is, a ton of shows shoot in 4K or above but it only gets finished in 1080p. There's a plethora of reasons for that, but the big one is this, storage. I just finished a seven episode documentary series. Our footage alone totaled 120 terabytes. Oh my God. Right? Wow. We, sh we shot in 4K to 6K, and as the guy on the processing and finishing end, the first thing I did was down convert it all to 1080p 
immediately. Wow. Some thoughts on HDR. We don't deal with it yet. Maybe it's something that's touched on in features and big boy series, but it's not something that was even discussed in my office until April of 2016. And the job I was doing at the time included coloring footage. Cameras have had HDR as a possible setting for years. I know red cameras do, but it's very rarely used. I love resolutions and details, but that assessment that 1080p with HDR is received better than 4K is completely believable to me. I'd prefer it too, because I know a ton of the color work I do is lost in the process. Hmm. And so, like, what we have here is, you know, this isn't some from somebody in the gaming industry, but somebody who is producing 4K content that has to worry about the same sort of things that go into the screens people are going to have in their homes. And, you know, we were talking about, Dave, the PlayStation 4 Pro, you were like, well, it doesn't even do Ultra Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do Ultra HD Blu-ray. Xbox One S does Ultra HD Blu-ray. At the end of the day... If anybody is listening to this and is thinking about getting a new TV, wait. Yeah. Wait. Well, and, because... and the other thing too, like the the he was talking about storage space. Like, can you imagine the amount of data that would take to stream? Oh god. That 4K yeah, man. content. Dude, I just got a. I like Comcast just put in a one terabyte uh, data cap in my region. Like, what? Yeah. You know, like we we talk, we we talk about the death of physical media, but as video content like eventually gets to that point Mm -hmm. we're gonna hit another wall yeah we're gonna hit another wall and you know the 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 end-all be-all people have had all this you know people keep saying oh well all these playstation 4 games are you know at the beginning they're gonna have playstation 4 pro upgrades and playstation 4 modes but eventually it's just gonna be the pro Uh uh-uh no 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 because if they're just these massive 4K games, they're going to come on, like, three or four Blu-ray discs. Yeah. Final Fantasy 16 now shipping on five discs. <laughs> there you go. It'll be the it'll be the bad old days all over again. Or or what they would do is they would just put those those pro patches as a... Like, like what they're doing now, I think they're, they're just doing them as downloads. And yeah. your, whole, your whole hard drive is going to be taken up by this HDR yeah. content. And, and the PlayStation 4 Pro is going to have a much bigger hard drive than the 500 gig hard drive that came and launched PlayStation 3s, or PlayStation 4s, rather. Uh, but at the exact same time, you know, that's going to get filled up just as fast because 4K content is, is big. It is very big, even when it's a sort of a faux 4K, as uh, tech heads will tell you about, you know, PlayStation 4 Pro upgrades. Anyway, I thought that was really, like, I want to thank that listener uh, so much he, he's remain, asked to remain anonymous, but thank you so much for sort of adding to that conversation. We encourage anyone listening, anytime we talk about something that you guys really feel like you have something to add to, let us know. Like, contact us via Twitter. Uh, Susan, Dave, and I are, are always active there. We see the messages we get. Just feel free anytime. Mm-hmm. And thank you, thank you so much for that. I also will tell you guys. So I just moved, and uh, I'm in a new place with purple walls. Uh, they're pretty snazzy. Nice. And uh, <laughs> I'm I'm glad that I didn't upgrade to one of these 4K TVs because I was like, Dave, you and I were looking at like the 50 inches, and the 50 inch 4K TVs that are out there only have like two hdmi ports on them 
Mm-hmm. And let me tell you about my gaming setup, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Here Two goddamn go. HDMI ports ain't enough for what we're doing in this room. <laughs> so, here it is. Here it is, Susan. Oh, God. This is what I got set up in here. Uh-huh. We've got, we've got a PlayStation 4, a PlayStation 2, a PlayStation 3, a GameCube. Okay, wait, I'm just going to have to stop you there. Why did, not, why did you not just go... You have a four, you have a three, you have a two. Oh, because... Why do you say them out of order? I just... Because I'm looking at them. <laughs> oh, and... Because I'm the looking three, at them and the I'm... three ma- has that stupid curved top, which makes it impossible it has, to stack. That's mm-hmm. right. It's impossible to stack properly. And in order to annoy people that would come into my home previous to the current setup, I put the Turbo Graphics Duo... Which is a TurboGrafx-16 and a CD in one unit, mm-hmm. which has the exact same curve as the PlayStation 3. I put them on top of, of each other. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. One on top of the other, and like it never looks even. Like It's just really obnoxious. So the Turbo Duo is there. We've got, we've got a GameCube with the Game Boy Player attached Excellent. to the bottom. A Wii U. And now uh, there's a Super Nintendo down there and and now susan we get to the part that you'll really like there is a sega cdx yeah which is the sega cd and genesis in one we got a sega saturn yeah babe we got a dreamcast and there is an n64 off in the wings although it's not totally connected uh i i the av clubs are just uh av plugs are just loose and then finally, the one that remains plugged in on top of all of these, it, it, in addition to a PC, is a Neo Geo AES. Now, setting up all of these machines <laughs> onto one television <laughs> so that you don't have to constantly connect them. Everything, with the exception of the N64, is plugged in. So all I have to do is set it to the right input. <laughs> But setting it to the right input is tricky because the TV alone can't have all of these things plugged in. Of course them. it can't. Nobody makes a TV with that many connectors. Nobody. It's, it can't be done. So in order to make this setup work, you need to do a couple of things. Oh, my God. One, I have a, a – there is a Blu-ray player that is also a, like, tuner, which connects to speakers. So this is like a Sony like surround sound thing. And it has two extra HDMI ports. Oh, God, we used to do that, too. I forgot we used to do that. Right. So that turns one HDMI input on the TV into two. (laughs) Perfect. Excellent. All the modern systems are covered. Wonderful. Now, the key component to make everything else work is a two industrial sized uh, surge protectors. Well, clearly. Because otherwise, I think my entire home would have burned down a couple of days ago. So there are two beefy, giant surge protectors that are, are keeping everything grounded and from, you know, setting my walls on fire. The other thing that makes all of this work is that damn Frame Meister thing I got <laughs> back in April. So the little the little frame meister which I got for the retro games is a video processor that accommodates all different types of inputs. 
So all of the retro consoles now output with RGB cables. And those can all go in there. But the ones that use regular old composite cables can go in the front. So the TurboGrafx uses the composite. The GameCube uses component cables from the GameCube, but into a digital video adapter, which then oh goes God. into the digital video port in the FrameMeister. And then the FrameMeister has two more HDMI ports. Now, you understand, we could be living on Mars right now. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, Anthony uh-huh. uses his ample intelligence yeah. to figure out how to hook up 14 antique video game systems to a TV. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So He's like, fuck uh, Mars. <laughs> I need to be able to play elevator action I whenever I want. Yeah, if I can't play elevator elevator action for turns, Susan, please. Elevator sorry, action sorry, for turns. Sorry. <laughs> so yes, that that's what I used my brain power for instead of becoming a physicist or how, a chemist. How much do you like doing that though? Because me like whenever I move, like one of my favorite parts is hooking up all of my goddamn video game systems. I don't know why I love wow, doing really? it. But I love it. Good on you, man. Yeah. Like I've... It, fe- it, it feels like I've moved in once that yes. happens. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why, like, I. it's really funny. It took, I mean, it's, it takes days to really settle into a place, oh, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, this is the first time I've ever moved with a baby. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was sort of like this, this really, really involved process that, uh, Dave, you've been through this before, and, like, for me... I, I wasn't totally prepared for how difficult it was going to be. And so, you know, two days uh, after even getting to the house was setting everything else up. And then day three was sitting there and being like in my office saying, okay, now it's time to actually do this and make sure that everything is set up in a way that, you know, if we want to, you know, say we want to stream something for the Super Nintendo because it's, you know, Street Fighter 2's anniversary that week. Right. Or it's the, the such and such for Zelda. And we want to do some kind of retro presentation. We want to capture footage. You don't want to have to sit there and, and fit futz with all of these different things. And it, it was deeply, deeply, uh, you know, sort of centering to take everything and be like, how do you make this work? And yeah, I, it was kind of like Picross, but with uh, fire hazards. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you're all done you can play sonic adventure 2 there you go right right yeah actually i i texted dave i think in the middle of uh putting finishing touches on this because you were playing you were no 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 this was after i finished everything but dave was like yeah man i'm knee deep in mafia i can't wait to talk about this this game has some issues but i like thinking about it and my response to Dave was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. And I was playing Dynamite Heady. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course you were. <laughs> Arrow the acrobat. You know, yeah. 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 <laughs> Those oh, hot mascot crap. platformers of the 16-bit era. Maybe I could play some Arrow Cool spot. Acrobat. Okay, Arrow the acrobat is actually very good. Yes. Yeah, I've heard. I've never played it. Oh, I've it's heard that the second one two. is not good. Yeah. But the, the first oh, two's one, bad? Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. It's just kind of meh. But the first one is, is, <laughs> is solid. So James I, I, Pond. That's oh, probably there were so many James Pond games. Really, yeah, there, were, there were, were, weren't there? there like were, there were a ton of them. 
There was a Kickstarter a couple of years For ago. James That's right. Back oh James Pond. Right. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. All right. Gonna have to check in on that. Yeah. See if James Pond came back to life. Yeah, that uh, booger man. Get those <laughs> wonderful a pick, pick and those, flick adventure. Yeah, those oft-remembered era. classics back in our. Booger, booger man was was actually good. I know you liked yeah. that. Game. No, it was good. Uh, we we have one more topic on today's podcast. Now that we've gotten all the tech madness out of the way, Susan, well, moving to a different set of tech madness. Yes, this is a different sort of tech madness. Yeah. You are watching the new HBO show Westworld. Yes, which I have not started watching yet. Dave has not started watching yet. It looks really cool. The Games Radar staff broadly speaks very highly of it. Yep. You have boiled down the most important conundrum yes. presented by this show. Yes. Okay. So for those of you who maybe don't know, Westworld the show is based on a movie starring Yul Brynner from the 70s. The The underlying uh, shtick is that there is an adult theme park. Well, it's not just for adults. There's kids there too. Theme park that emulates the Old West. It has... You know, cowboys and Indians and saloons and that the whole, when you think of the Old West, that's what it has. And it is populated by what are robots. They're called hosts. They are extremely lifelike. They have personality. They seem to be like people, but they are, they are created specifically for the park. They have different narrative loops that they go through. So if you engage with this particular host you might op- you might unlock this storyline or if you do this one you might get this other storyline okay they are they are part of the attraction okay so the core question boils down to is it cheating to fuck a robot <sighs> so <laughs> let me back it up for you a little bit okay these are again they are all constructs their entire intelligence is created. They sort of feel, but you, you can also turn off their emotions with a voice command. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they very much emulate people, but they are also very clearly not sentient life forms. Okay? Well, I mean, there's, there's hints that maybe there's some sentience underneath. But. But. So. Yeah, so like what what you're and if somebody hasn't seen Westworld and doesn't have the context to describe the sort of level of artificial intelligence we're talking about, think Jude Law in AI. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's it. Because exactly. he he literally was a fuckbot. He was a sexbot, was a, right? Yeah, he, he, that's who he was. And fuckbot, so, which is different than a fuck ghost. The, yes, <laughs> fuck ghost is bad, but definitely uh, bad. So I mean, because so my husband and I are watching that, and as you might expect. People who go to the park want to do things that they can't do in everyday life. They, sure. they want to get into a gunfight. They want to, you know, have have crazy sex with the saloon girl. Stuff like that. Or saloon boy. Or both. Okay. So my husband and I are watching it. And we naturally have the conversation like, wait a minute. Are you allowed? <laughs> is this, I mean, is this okay? Are you allowed to go take a vacation? Honey, I'm going to Westworld. I'm gonna go get my freak on, with with the robots, with the you know mm-hmm. the nice pretty robots. Is that 
a problem. Now, of course, with the underlying understanding that everybody's relationship is different and some people are quite open and some are not and, and monogamy sure. and, and infidelity means different things to different people. Okay. So if you have sex with a fleshlight or a real doll, mm-hmm. that's not cheating. That's not cheating. But... But I, I, you 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 get so here here is where I find this conundrum fascinating okay. to me because the 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 thing that is so complex about infidelity mm-hmm. to me is the emotional betrayal yeah yeah rather than the physical mm-hmm. and that's what that's what that's what it is like that that's where I'm leaning on this too and it's it's like you get into the realm of like. If you have cyber sex, mm, mm-hmm. or way back in the day, kids, there used to be a thing called phone sex. <laughs> there were like lines. For it these was things. like sexting, but verbal. Yeah, it was like it was like sexting. It was like sexting, but with really bad audio quality <laughs> and hilarious commercials. And it cost like you a, like like five dollars a minute. Five dollars. No, that, a that minute. would be a bargain uh, site. They were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, have I ever told you guys about Fantasy Phone? Have I ever told you this one? No. All right. No. So it, it, this is, in 1990, my brother and I were 8 and 12 years old. Oh, I think you have told me. Yeah. We we discovered that, <laughs> we discovered from one of our babysitter's mind who, who thought it was hilarious to teach us to prank call people. Oh, no. That there was a 1-800. Now, the ones that cost money were 900 numbers. Right. But if you had a 1-800 number, it didn't cost anything. So there was Fantasy Phone, which was a 1-800 number, and then you would give the the person on the other end who responded, Fantasy Phone, you would give them a credit card, and that would begin the transaction to have the phone sex. My brother and I had this number that was free to call, and we would call it constantly. Oh my god. It'd be like, (laughs) how do you get the warp whistle in Super Mario Brothers 3? Oh my god. Hello? <laughs> Fantasy phone. We can't find the Hammer Brothers suit in Super Mario Brothers 3. How do we? Yeah. Anyway. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So... I ha- now I have to tell you my phone sex story. Oh, yeah. So, awesome. one of my previous jobs, no, it was not as an operator. Just don't just don't. Don't. Was uh I I would sell ads for a magazine called Radio TV Interview Report, which goes out to radio and TV talk show hosts. And so if you want to be a guest on a radio or TV talk show because you're selling a book or you're selling a, a, a video or whatever, you would place an ad in this book and that's how talk show hosts would get in touch with you. Like when you hear an hmm. expert, like, oh, it's tax time and we've got our expert to tell you how to get through your taxes. That's who these people were. Hmm. So one of uh, my clients was a phone sex operator. She wrote a book about what it's like to be a phone sex operator. And one of, and there was, she recounted many of her calls. She had one guy who wanted her to say, he's like, you know, she, she does her little sexy intro. He's like, okay, I want you to say the new Miss America has really smelly feet. (laughs) And she, she's like, excuse me. It's like, oh, I would like you to say, the new Miss America has really smelly feet. Okay. So she's, she's, and she's like, you just want me, to, do you want me to say anything else? She's like, I would just like you to repeat it. Okay. So she's like, this is the easiest money I've ever made. 
So she's just saying that and repeating it, repeating it. And he is clearly enjoying it. So she starts freestyling. Like, oh boy. those feet are so disgusting. They're just really, really... And he's like, no. No. I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> what I want you to say... <laughs> okay. And she did that until he uh, was finished, and he thanked her very much and hung up. I want to be clear that I'm not laughing at, like, what clearly is important to this person. No, no, you know? no. Like, like that's it's, it's the, the sin- specificity exactly. is what's funny. The specificity <laughs> and the sincerity. Well, she wasn't even she wasn't even given room to like nope. freestyle yep. or this isn't an improv class. Yep. We're not. We're not. <laughs> come on. It's not improv. There, yeah. Nobody is yes anding no. you on the phone. <laughs> I just I I will never ever forget that one because it was just like he just seems like just you know very nice guy. Yeah. But anyway, Fairy. so. Very specific. Uh, we were talking yeah. about the emotional right. infidelity. The, the, the intimacy issue. So here. Here, and so here's all the question. Of, yeah. Okay. So, now, although the hosts get rotated out and are given new identities, they w- you, it is possible to visit the park repeatedly and visit the same host in the same role. Mm, mm. And th- th- will they remember you? I do I don't... No, they will not. I don't believe so, hmm. no. See, but even then, I, like, even then, that's... Uh, even if they don't remember yeah. you, that, that to me, goes into the place where you are creating a, a, an emotionally forbidden right? place that is, that is outside of your partner's consent. Right. And so, I, like, is it cheating... Uh, if, if it creates, if you feel the need to keep it secret mm-hmm. from your partner and it's creating this emotional sort of vacuum between you and your partner, it's cheating. Yeah, though that's, I'd yeah, say. that's a given. But like, here's, here's where it, it, and this was really just a thought experiment on between me and my husband. I'm like, okay, if he's like, Hey, we've been married for 10 years. I want to go to Westworld and I want to go, I don't know, have, have sex go with nuts. A, a redhead or have sex with a sure. dude or whatever. Yeah. I, cool. Go enjoy that. That's fine. Right. But then it becomes, so then it's like, okay, so that isn't a problem. But then if you keep going back for it, like there's right. these different layers yeah, of, that's layered. Of troubling, and then I mean, obviously, then if the if the uh, if the hosts do have sentience, then it's like now you're getting into like sex industry stuff. Right, you're getting into sex industry stuff. You're getting into exploitation, yep. and then like you're you're like like oh, like I you know. So say the robot does have sentience, and then the robot is into it. And, like, right. you go back because the robot wants to see you. Doesn't matter. It's not a human being. You're cheating. You're, that's, that's, that's another alive thing. That is another thinking being. This is all going to get weird with freaking VR, man. Because robots aren't going to be real. But, like, phone sex is going to come back in, in a real way. Well, they have. VR. I mean, VR already has. I mean, I mean the thing that's going to make VR or break it is porn. 
Yeah. You know, that, yeah. I mean, that's just a fact. And they do already have peripherals. Oh, cam. Yeah, cam people, too. Like, cam broadcasts yeah. and peripherals. And I, Man, it's complicated. I, I mean, like, okay, here's the thing. Whatever you enjoy, as long as it is consensual and not hurting anybody, I don't care. You know, like... Who cares? I right. don't give a shit. That's none of my business. That's your business. As long as everybody's cool with what you're doing, great. That's awesome. But it does make me uncomfortable. Yeah. It's weird. That's... Well, it's it's like any sort of cultural change. Right. Is, is incredibly challenging. Yeah. Like, I, I fully admit that, like part of my resistance like this week playstation vr is out Mm -hmm. and uh it it is by and large being borne out you know what we've suspected all along that vr for gaming is very promising but it is not ready for prime time it's still very early days yeah this is this is early days but i fully admit that part of my resistance to vr is not uh oh you know, I think it's bullshit and games should just be this one way. I admit that part of my resistance to it is it's something new mm. and it's very, very different. It's a completely different perspective uh, on on human communication yeah. Than, yeah. than things that, that I have well, previously thought about. And, and, and that's humans, difficult and challenging. Yeah, and humans have a tendency to develop the technology first and then figure out what the ramifications of the technology are well after it's already yeah, caused the damage true. that it's supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like the other, otherwise and... known as the shirtless gold bloom principle. Oh my god, <laughs> that's, that's what that is right there. It's the shirtless Jeff Goldblum principle. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this much: if Westworld had a shirtless Jeff Goldblum, I know where I'd be going on my vacation. I'll tell you that much. It costs forty thousand dollars a day. Oh man, now if it was like, <laughs> is that future money though? Because if it's like, future yeah, money, that's like, like, well, that's, like that's, twenty that's an bucks. Question. I don't know. I, it is not immediately <laughs> clear when Westworld takes place. Interesting. <laughs> I, I'd spend like. 20 bucks here's your google cardboard anthony (laughs) here's here's your westworld cardboard just put it around your phone this is an old john wayne movie in a cardboard box that's what you paid for son that's what you paid for I, I think that's as good a place as any to bring this episode to a close, uh, everybody. We probably should have stopped uh, a while ago, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you you all listen to Radio Radar because it gets weird. We, we, we want it to get weird. You think you're going to hear a conversation about a popular new HBO show and then it goes to a fun place. <laughs> uh, we're the fun place for your ears, everybody. That's what we are. Uh, until next week, thank you so much for listening. And uh, as always, if you want to give us a written review on iTunes, we would like that and we'll read it out loud for you. We'll do, it's like the teleprompter in Anchorman. If you write it, we will read it aloud for you. Uh, and if you want to weigh in on some of these subjects, hit us up, man. Reach us on Twitter. Uh, Dave will have our handles in the show notes. As always, you can get in touch with us at GamesRadar. And, uh, Dave, go get some sleep, man. I want to, like, like Shigeru Miyamoto, I'm going to take a friggin' nap. Take a nap. Nice. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.